arriving in U.S. mail from St. Louis in the original de Havilland DH-4 biplane and 10 bulky gunny sacks are the combined audiobook renditions and supplemental background information as presented in podcast form by moi, me, Robert P. Fitton. Good evening to one and all, wherever in the galaxy you make your home. The British offered Arnold 10,000 pounds and a military commission for the surrender of a continental fort at West Point. When Arnold recovered, Washington offered him command of the left wing of the Continental Army. Using his crippled leg as an excuse, Arnold requested command of West Point instead. There, in September of 1781, soldiers stopped a rider in civilian clothes near the Hudson River. The man acted strangely, and a search revealed papers with vital information on the outpost, along with a pass allowing the man, John Andre, behind American lines. The pass was signed by Benedict Arnold. Commander Jack Bragg doesn't have a gripe against Galactic Command the way Benedict Arnold did against the Continental Army. Arnold thought he was treated without the due respect for battlefield achievements, especially by General Gates. Arnold performed nobly in the Battle of Saratoga, and there's a monument to his valor still there today. But Arnold did agree to give West Point to the British. Traitor Bragg is another story. He's just a wealth-seeking slob with no gripes, just an agenda of helping one person, the glutton, Jack Bragg. And Raffick, he's a muscle-bound little human mutation with an overwhelming hatred of humans, especially Commander John Ross, who defeated him on the battlefield. Raffick does have more smarts than the half-witted Saul. With the approach of Kaczynski in an ESS ship, therein lies the story. Episode 4 of Galactic Command Reunion by Robert P. Fitton begins now. Chapter 20 Kuczynski ran out of the conveyor tube into propulsion. Rip was seated alone at the propulsion consoles and Muldoon had not yet arrived. What the hell's happening out there? Rip stared at the green swirling energy mass around a white depiction of ESS-14. Tug drag beams crutch around the ship. I see that. From where? Tangle system. Disengage. Gil Webb appeared in the screen's upper corner. Can't disengage. I've never seen a beam as intense as this. No tug drag can hold an explorer spaceship, said Kaczynski with more emotion in his voice. Evasive maneuvers, Polonis. Navigation is not responding. Override navigation. Get us the hell out of here, he yelled into the speaker. Then he turned and pinched his brow. Damn, what have I gotten us into? Override is inoperative. Send out warning beacons to the Sigma Antares system into command. I've never seen beings these powerful, said Webb. Yeah, you said that, Gilly. I need recommendations, said Kaczynski. Shut down, reverse power, said Webb. What about reversing the perifields? asked Rip. Reversing perifields would leave us without gravity, said Webb. Oh, we could shut them down completely. Their beams are locked around the perifields. Beacons to Sigma Antares are inoperative, said Webb. Oh, great, said Kaczynski, slamming his clenched fist into the console. Too late, said Polonis. 
Deed has surrounded the hall. We are being drawn into the Tangle system. Looks like we can conserve coil power, said Webb. Kaczynski pressed his lips and nodded. He stared into the red coil light, then pushed the frequency button. I'm going to send out a message to be placed in the frequency buoy. This is Lieutenant Commander Walter Kaczynski in charge of ESS-14. ESS-14 has just been surrounded by long-distance tug-drag beams emanating from the Scavia Tangle system. We are making efforts to break or negate the beams. Data package will be sent with this transmission. Updates to follow. Kaczynski shook his head. For all the good it will do, that buoy will take weeks. Rip waited and then turned. You did what you had to do, Crutch. Yeah, I did. But now our asses are in the sling. Crutch, said Webb from the Locust. Go ahead, Gilly. Are they sending out a patrol to bring me to Devil's Island? I'm receiving a very faint signal from the planet. Well, boot it up. It's too weak and distorted by a beam. Well... Keep it in the cells. Kaczynski leaned toward the monitor. Prepare peri fields for deactivation. Polonis run simulations. The beam has encircled the peri fields. It is locked tight, said Polonis. We're trapped, replied Kaczynski. Rip tightened his intense brown eyes. Just like John. Kaczynski spent the afternoon in the sky pilot base. Despite the tug drags, he ordered the ship's pilots into ready positions. All drag beams were fully charged and locked onto the distant Scavia Tangle cities. Landing troops were already loaded into the atmospheric destruct vessels for ground assaults once the area was thoroughly pummeled. Mr. Kaczynski, more summary reports from Scavia Tangle, said Polonis. Go, he answered as he scanned the sky pilot ships lined across the base. A peaceful planet settled by the Elias sect. Polonis, don't waste my time. What are you telling me? These beams are a religious aberration? No, sir. I am merely reporting on the inhabitants of the planet. Brilliant, said Muldoon as he crossed the base. Propulsion has run simulations on breaking the beam. Forget it. Even if you drop the parries, forget it. Perhaps you should personally track your way through it, said Polonis. Muldoon raised his bushy brows. Why don't you figure out a way? Who the hell is behind that beam? Unknown. <laughs> Unknown, he says, said Muldoon, shaking his head. Kaczynski rubbed his mouth and chin. Polonis, view of Scavia Tangle. Yes, sir. Muldoon imitated the Polonis and Kaczynski smiled. On the screen, a hazy green-blue planet materialized. Alternations adjusted the image and a clearer picture of the oceans and a central continent appeared against the stars. John and Lindy are down there. I hope not, said Muldoon as he stepped forward. Hey, you bag of bolts. Are you addressing me, Mr. Muldoon? No other bag of bolts around here. Why don't you monitor the low frequency bands? He looked at Kaczynski. Obviously, somebody other than the Elias sect has infiltrated this planet. What about this Saul domain? Unable to comply. Why not? demanded Muldoon. Tug beams have occluded different continuals. Muldoon shook his head. Speak English, will you? This unit has been engaged in such scans for the past eight hours. Well, ain't that pretty. 
We need to launch a full-fledged attack against these bastards. This unit has been engaged in such activity for the past five hours, said Kaczynski with a smile. Muldoon started back to the propulsion corridor. I'm manning my station. Yeah, you do that, Frank. Chapter 21 Inside a mountain cave, Ross, now dressed in the light resistance, insulated fatigues, gathered with Tsiolkovsky and the old man, in front of a row of consoles, scented with a huge round radar screen. Tsiolkovsky's leg bothered him, and he sat down next to one of the resistance fighters, headphones covering his ears as he listened to the communications around the planet and into space. The doctor turned from the sweeping green radar blips. We didn't destroy that old transmitter. The Zulov controlled that area. We wanted to use that radio the way you did, John. Then we came very close to death, said the old man, looking at Ross with the rigidity of a Polonis report. Unfortunately, the signal was on low output and of short duration. We don't have all the parts to broadcast a distress beacon from here. I had my eyes on that tower myself. The only thing the resistance has is the ability to sweep the skies and monitor communications. The spacecraft has returned to Sol City, said one of his men. They are moving off the planet. Ross spotted Arkov and the others meditating across the cave. They have no place to go. All their members have been killed. The legacy of Philip O'Hara, said Tsiolkovsky. Kov, said Ross. I hear my family too is born Saul's mm -hmm. recklessness. I fear they're all revacked. I am truly sorry. There must be a way to reverse this process. He produced a lip smile and shrugged his shoulders. I have notes in my Polonus cells, but it's all theory. It requires actual experiments with human subjects. People may die trying to find a reversal of revacking. I'm so sorry about your family. Well, there must be a way. Sokoski's eyes moistened. We must hope they are all held prisoner and not revacked. It's not worth the risk to experiment on them. I have thought that an extended exposure... I won't accept that. Spoken like a headstrong ESS commander, said the old man. Ross grit his teeth as he stepped toward him. I seem to recall it was your mission that dragged us all into this. The old man stared at the radar screen and didn't reply. At lunch, Ross slurped heated broth spiced with an onion derivative, and he had avoided the old man. As a gentle snow fell outside mid-afternoon, Sokoski called from across the cave. One of his men had discovered a signal from space. An ESS vessel. Signal is distorted and is moving away, said the stubby bearded kid. Frequency buoy, said Ross, probably moving back into the sector. Let's hear it, son, said Tsiolkovsky. This is Lieutenant Commander Walter Kaczynski in charge of... That's my ship! Surrounded by long-distance tug-drag beams... What are they doing out the there? ...scavia tangle system. We are making efforts to break or negate the beams. Data package will be sent with this transmission. Updates to follow. That son of a bitch brag. And Rafik. Don't forget to add O'Hara to your list, said Sokoski, and the group laughed. I can't let them drag my ship in here. Where's the source of that beam, Cobb? The bay? We have noticed this area of energy for at least six months. Sokoski pushed a button on the console and a new sweep map appeared. He pointed to an intense line emanating from an island less than a kilometer offshore. 
The city is well protected and so is the island by its geographical position. I don't know if we can accomplish anything strategically by attacking Caleb's Zoria. Sigma Antares, the whole thing is like a snowball effect. My son is right, said the old man, and Ross did a double take. But I would add from a strategic viewpoint that we implement two strategies concurrently. Saul must be stopped, yes, physically on this planet or battled in space. You and your men must head into Saul City. My son and I will concentrate on those tug-drag beams. Silkowski squinted at Ross. And what do you say, Commander? Well, I think my father's right, providing they don't all return into space. Chapter 22 Rip turned in the locust chair as Kaczynski burst through the conveyor doors. What's this about a message from the planet? There's a Cybac controlling the planet, Grutch. Cybac, human, added Polonis. Well, put the bloody thing in front of the viewer. Kuczynski leaned on the rail as a square-jawed man with deep-set eyes, and the right side of his face, a mass of torn flesh, appeared on the screen. He wore a green cap with a yellow-stitched sun across the front. Your ship, appropriated it as been, revamped you and your crew will be. To your ship, you be returned. Serve the Sol domain as revamped humans. What the hell is this? shouted Kaczynski as he leaped down the stairs to the viewer. Mike Pfeiffer was already down front. He sure sounds like a Cybac. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Destroying your ship we can. Hostile moves you will not make. So this is the source of the tug drags, this little mutant? I have background data on him. Oh, by all means, since our congenial host doesn't seem to have any manners, sounds like his mouth is full of sand. Flood humanity is established pathway proper and rational. The directive implemented it will be revamped and implement. Revamped and implement. Somebody ought to give this goon a course in English, said Muldoon. Polonis quickly responded. The artificial pathways of a Cybac, Mr. Muldoon. Oh, you would notice that. This man is dangerous, said Pfeiffer. I'm aware of that, Mike. Can we break the beam with a frequency to scabia tangle? Can't ride the beam. Matter of fact, our attempts at frequencies have ridden the beam. Frequency open. This is Lieutenant Commander Walter Kaczynski and Commander BSS-14. We have no plans to cooperate with you, Saul. In fact, we will fight you any way we can. Release the tug-drag beams now or face additional Galactic Command ships. Kaczynski out. He turned to Rip. All right, who the hell is this clown? Saul disappeared 12 years ago with Dr. Victor Silkowski. There were a series of barbaric incidents on planet Gamma Epsilon 4. Command was not able to identify the attacks with Saul until after he had fled the planet. There is a classified brief on Dr. Silkowski. Right. You mentioned Saul was not totally a Cybac being, Polonis, correct? Yes, he was, Philip O'Hara. One of the first volunteers, the result of an inadequate ability to reverse the revac process. He is, however, overly aggressive and lacking conscience and good judgment. I suggest that you play upon those qualities, Crutch. Suggestion noted, said Kaczynski. Mr. Morris, Jim. Jim Morris was on one of the Sky Pilot console screen. Status Sky Pilots. My guns are ready. 
The orders are in ship's Colonus. Get rid of the tug drags and we can drag spray and then bring in the sky pilots to disable the smallest structures before the SAB and DAB landings. Stand by, Jimmy, he said, turning back to the speaker. Polonis, time to scabia tangle orbit. Adjusting for tug drag beam power. We should arrive in orbit in 22 minutes. I'm going to make this rogue shake out of his deformed Cyvac skin, said Kaczynski. Dr. Pfeiffer. Yes, sir. Mike, status, Metafac, field personnel. Units are geared up for potential casualties. As far as that Cyvac body structure, we don't have an adequate file on this. We have to play it by ear. Understood. This whole damn Pegasus Marichelli thing is classified, he said. I want you in the Metafac, Mike. Mr. Weeks, he called to the weapons console. The bald-headed Weeks came on the viewer above the drac under the sky pilot bays. Crunch. Saul's transmission originated. We have the city gridded and prioritized targets. There's already substantial superficial damage to the building structures. Source of the tug drag beams is 2.3 kilometers offshore. Awaiting your orders. My orders, Mr. Weeks, are to completely disable this Cybac son of a bitch. If that means complete annihilation, then so be it. We have to break this tug. Gil Webb scurried down the steps as Kaczynski turned. He spoke in a lower voice. What about John and Lindy? Well, they're probably in the thick of it down there. Any more on those beams? Gil furrowed his brow. I don't know how he got something so strong. Opinion. Well, we've got everybody in navigation trying to break it or at least temporarily disrupt it so we can launch an attack. But I keep thinking about the Aurea. Yeah, you think about the Aurea. You think about the Antarian and Jackie Bragg. Damn, I keep asking myself, Mr. Webb, why I risked everything on this ship. Polonis, tell me about that blipping beam. This beam employs fields I am unfamiliar with, said Polonis. Fields to keep the beams together, in theory. Forget theories, Kaczynski rose and leaned over the monitors. I hate theories. Theories are fuel for pontificators. Here, here, said Muldoon. So what do we do? Just get sucked into this? It would appear that way, Mr. Muldoon, said Polonis. On the forward viewer, as the sky pilot ships moved into positions in the white-lighted base, he clenched his fists, knowing they might never leave the base. He was livid at this half-human, but he was boxed in even if he could punch through the beam. Decimating the planet could kill John and Lindy, yet Kaczynski could not let Saul take control of ESS-14. With the explorer ship at his disposal, Saul would pose a direct threat to the Sigma Antares colony in the base at Conchu. Crutch, a direct message coming along the beam from the surface, said Muldoon. Good. Saul's fleshy cheek and neck appeared. The retrofitted human stood in a tower overlooking a darkened spit of land. As the sun hovered over an adjacent mountain range, a huge bundle of green tug drags shot skyward out of the bay. Steam pushed out of his mouth, but he wore no cold-weather gear, only a green visor cap and uniform. The open wound on the left side of his head bothered Kaczynski. Learn, you have much to, said Saul in his flat, garbled voice. Disembarked will. Where is Commander Ross and Lieutenant Commander Lindsay? Is he B still alive? Asked Kaczynski. He pinched his nose. Is he still alive? Unknown. Uh, 
said Saul, leaning toward one of his army-helmeted men. Find him we can, but find him we will. Explain, Commander Lindsay. Explain, he will. On the screen, Lindy, wearing the same uniform, brandished what looked like a lead projectile rifle. Kuczynski was confused by his flaccid appearance. Lindy, what the hell is this? he said without moving a muscle on his face. So is that your game, Saul, to revack our people? He waited but did not see Saul. Where's John? Heard from he has not been. Disembarked hastily, you will. To the surface you will come. Revacked you will be. No. SAVs on dark, they will. Grave consequences there will be. What grave consequences? asked Kuczynski as the image went blank and was replaced with a view of the planet's aqua green oceans and spotty cloud bands. This is insane. Mr. Morris! He smacked the rail with the butt of his hand as the pressure mounted. Then he looked up at the locust stations. The frightened faces awaited his leadership. Sir! said Morris. Rip moved down the stairs. Crutch, how do they get the SAVs? I damned as well don't care. Mr. Morris, blow those SAVs out of the sky if they get within 200 kilometers of this vessel. Rip's eyes tightened. I say it's Bragg and the Antarian. Kuczynski leaned over the monitors. Polonis, any sign of an ESS vessel in this system? Presently, no. Stand by, Morris. Muldoon folded his arms and stared at Kuczynski from propulsion. What are you looking at, Frank? Hefty orders, Mr. Kuczynski said Muldoon. Hefty problem, Mr. Muldoon. Polonis 756A, 4.11 p.m., 29 Humana, 21.54 Galactic Time. Transmission to the mothership, normal frequency. Message arrival time, 14 days. Lieutenant Commander Kaczynski reports an ESS vessel is encircled by a combination of 19 tug drags from origin point Scavia Tangle. Vessel is presently in stable orbit, 463 kilometers, geosynchronous over the northern continent shore. The Cybac, being called Saul, a.k.a. Philip O'Hara, has informed Lieutenant Commander Kaczynski on departure of the SAV vessel from the main city, 2.6 kilometers from Tug Drag Beam's power source. Nature of the power source unknown, but suspected to be Caleb Zoria. Science of securing beams together, unknown. SAV vehicle registration letters indicate assignment to ESS Vessel 27, commanded by Antarian Serban Rafik Salastaka and Commander John R. Bragg. Kuczynski reporting. Chapter 23 A few loose snowflakes melted on Ross's cheeks as he trudged toward the old man. The storm had tapered off as night approached and the sky had a pink glow above the pristine snow-swept land. The old man sat next to a mountain stream, but the luminescent Polonis screen balanced on his knees seemed out of place in the woods. Ross was nestled in the snow and gazed through the orange-hued snow-laden branches at the heightened stars in the deepening green skies. Anything? asked Ross. The old man squinted but kept his eyes on the screen. Zilkowski has spent the last dozen years trying to understand why the revac process cannot be reversed. In the past few years, fighting the man he revacked. 
Studying this data is a fool's game. Is there any clue? asked Ross. The colonel shook his head. Something happens when the REVAC process is reversed. Something skews the original configuration of body tissue, hence Saul's gaping flesh along his head and cheek, not to mention his internal thinking processes. While we still have Polonus Cyvax now, we haven't been able to reverse a revac human. Ross nodded and saw the remaining Elias sect members around a small fire toward the Scarfac encampment. The members grieve, yet they are overly optimistic. Odd, isn't it? They committed in thought and believed to Elias, and they aren't sure whether this Bane Aureus will ever come. To be so certain of anything is astounding. Spoken like an intelligentsia officer, the old man raised his left brow and evidenced a smile. I would be sure that the Tug Drag Island is thoroughly defended. Any direct attack would be futile. Combining those beams could only be an Antarian achievement. Right. I don't think old Jack Bragg has become a fledgling scientist. It has to be Rafik. Perhaps an Antarian component holding those beams together. Exactly. The combination can be of tremendous significance to command defenses, but our main issue is taking it out and freeing ESS-14. I suspect Crutch just left Capella without authorization. Your security officer is emotional and stubborn with an ability to take chances. That is his greatest asset, as well as his courage. Ah, the Intelligentsia Link. I'm sure you've read his file. I have. Ross nodded. From a strategic vantage point, we better hope he's got authorization. Axiom Baroma is weeks away, and the nearest ESS ship, Chris Keller's ship, was a week away from Capella. Which means O'Hara and company have a clear path to Sigma and Taris. Not a good prognosis. It's imperative we get your vessel out of those beams. Silkowski shuffled with his cane and was helped by one of his men. Well, can we stop that beam? The Aurier is the key, said the old man. You just don't produce that amount of power without the Aurier. Ah, the same source for the revacking, said Selkowski. Ross gazed over the darkening river. I defeated Rafik at Marigal, but he slipped away. That move has been cataclysmic. What is done is done, said the old man, still looking at the screen. Tug drags surround Perryfields to a lesser extent other power sources with a greater effort to encapsulate objects. The Aria's power must be diminished. Well, the Aria's power is only reduced by Aflac resignation. This is true, said Silkowski. But at very low levels, Aflac resignation is the antithesis of matter. But I dare say, gentlemen, he said, rubbing his hands on the cane, out here we haven't tamed Aflac resignation. Ross grinned. Then we divert the beams to some other object. Spoken like an ESS commander, the old man seemed miffed that he didn't think of the diverting. But the main thing is getting out to that island. No more SAV attacks. Maybe they've left. He will take Conchu, said Silkowski. Come to think of it, we haven't heard any weapons out here for three days. That is a bad sign, said the old man. It tells me they have no need to attack because they've already taken ESS-14. How much further to Saul City? asked Ross. Not far. Six, maybe seven hours, said Silkowski, shifting his weight on the cane. Your leg okay, doctor? 
No better, no worse. Ross nodded and turned toward the old man. They have my crew. That son of a bitch will revac them, said the old man. Ross nodded. We have to head out of here now. Sokoski creased his brow in the dim light. Agreed. Let's move out before it's too late. Chapter 24 Kuczynski took the myopic winnowing tool in his hand. He pulled back his hand and studied the screen, bathed within the orange coil glow. At the minute level, each peri particle was encapsulated by the underlying tug-drag components. He looked up at the bearded Muldoon. I might as well try and pick up the sand grains along a beach with my teeth. Nasty, answered the propulsion officer. Agreed, said Polonis on the speaker. Keep your prognosis to yourself, you cynical pack of rearranged memory cells. Crutch, the time has come to switch from a disengagement strategy to a confrontational strategy. Kaczynski dislodged half a dozen periparticles, but the tug-drag beam soon encircled them again. He threw the winnerer onto the tube floor. You're damn right. I'm not surrendering this vessel to that mutated drone. He slithered on his back, down the face of the coil tube, and crawled onto the propulsion deck. Muldoon grasped his hand and pulled him onto the catwalk's corrugated surface. The engineer raised his bushy brows. Just what are you going to do? Kuczynski looked toward the sky pilot bay corridor and back to the clear conveyor tube extending the length of the ship back to the locus. I say we line up our sky pilots at the bay, Mr. Muldoon. Point our drax at the doors and then tell them they're not welcome inside our cozy little domicile. Now you're talking. That strategy will prompt a response from Saul, said Polonis. Then let him fight, said Muldoon. That may not be a prudent course since we don't know the extent of his or the Antarian capacity, militarily or scientifically. Then what the hell are we supposed to Yell Muldoon. My function is to give command personnel all options. Oh, good for you. Kaczynski motioned Muldoon back. What do you suggest, Polonis? I have no suggestions at this time. He's useless, Crutch. Turn him off, will you? Line up the pilot and let's hold this son of a bitch at bay. Kaczynski stroked his chin and nodded. He walked over to the interest ship speaker. Jim Morris. Seconds later, Morris was on the viewer. No. We're going to face him down. I want those bay doors clamped shut and defended. Sky pilot ships will be lined up with Drax fully charged. Yes, sir. We're not caving in without a fight. Saul grabbed the metal side support as the jeep swung to a quick stop at the revac plant. He quickly rolled out the vehicle and joined a swarm of Zulof through the open door. More Zulof inside raised their clenched fists as he passed. He turned abruptly at the staircase and descended under the plant. Rafik and the Antarians were at the end of the corridor. Commander Bragg, where is he now? Rafak turned from the monitor. SAV craft is approaching. Galactic command vessel for vehicle entry. You have a choice, Saul. Choice? Yes, you may travel on either side of the Galactic Command vessels to Sigma Antares, or you may remain here behind on Scavia Tangle. Stay, I will not. Matter, it does not. Revac and implement. That's the spirit, my friend. 
This is just the beginning for you in evoking the Avorkton Code. Honor will be served. Saul wandered past Rafik and peered over the shoulder of an Antarian monitoring the tug drags and the approaching SAV. More vessels we will get. I think that is entirely possible now. The odds have changed. Rafak leaned over the console and pushed a frequency channel. Bragg, this is Rafik. Status. Well, we're within 600 kilometers of Ross's ship. Bragg chuckled. I like it. Jack Bragg, commander of ESS-14. <laughs> Use the vessel SAV to begin transporting ESS-14's personnel down to Scavia Tangle for immediate revac. I do not wish this to take more than a day. An Antarian or a Galactic Day? asked Bragg. A Galactic Day is 24 hours. An Antarian Day is 36. You have one Galactic Day to revac and reinstitute ESS-14 personnel. It is just the beginning of Empire. Report back when you have secured the vessel. Revac and implement directive, said Saul. Rafak exposed his green little teeth. Exactly. Kuczynski now maintained his command position atop the Sky Pilot console. All the ship's tracks were now fully charged. Six sleek Sky Pilot ships formed a semi-circular ring in front of the towering bay doors, and 75 men in full puffy blue combat gear were ready inside the vessels. Their helmets glistened under the bright upper lights. He pushed a button so his voice would echo over the bay speakers. Perlonis, reduce light capacity by 55%. The upper lights gradually dimmed. He looked over to Gil Webb on the Brighton Locust screen. Gilly, is Bragg still trying to open the frequency? I was just going to mention that. He's getting belligerent in his messages, threatening us, wanting a retribution. Well, what can he do? The traitor? Want to reply? No, let him make his threats. Understood. Polonis resonated inside the speakers. ESS-27 SAV, as requested docking. Oh, really? Asked Kaczynski, snapping a grin. Gilly, put me on frequency. Open, Crutch. Hey, Bragg, this is Kaczynski. You get that SAV of yours away from this ship. Crutch Kaczynski. Bragg's voice had an inflated quality. I don't think you understand, Lieutenant Commander. We have your vessel commandeered by our tug drag Try and get near this ship and I'll blow you to kingdom come, Jack. Oh, here's what will happen, Crutch. You will open your sky pilot doors when we lower the tug drag, and then you will begin preparation to revac all ship's personnel. Kaczynski motioned to Webb and made sure his words were only on the intra-ship frequency. Cut Bragg frequency. Is he out of his mind? screamed Muldoon for propulsion. We don't need to cooperate with him, said Webb, sweat beads on his dark forehead. 
Kuczynski rubbed his hand over his grisly chin. Exactly right, but I wonder if we should use some shenanigans of our own. Let's do this. We will agree to his terms. What, are you crazy? Yell Muldoon. Sir! No, Bragg is full of himself. Let him and his little goons stroll right into our base. I have no intention of revacking ship's personnel. Gil, is he still blabbing on frequency? He is. He's telling us our lives are in jeopardy. Ha, <laughs> tough talk. He's a fine one for tough talk. Jack Bragg has always avoided situations that put his ass on the line, said Muldoon. Open external frequency, Mr. Webb. Open, sir. Checkmate, Jack. What are your terms? Bragg said nothing for a few moments. His voice was strained with an odd incredulity. Oh, discharge your Drax and begin assembling your uh, personnel in the Sky Pilot base. How can you revac on this ship? Portable chambers. I see. Kuczynski clenched his fist and manually closed the frequency. Portable chambers directly threatened. Signor Artaris. Stated Polonis. Oh, that was brilliant. That bastard brag, said Kaczynski, bang the button. Your request will be implemented. A smart move. You cannot stop the inevitable. Again he hit the button. Mr. Weeks, discharge all Drax. You need to send his ass back to Scavia Tangled, said Muldoon. Recommendation noted, Mr. Muldoon. Mr. Webb, set navigation coordinates to Sigma Ataris. Shield all incoming scans, Mr. Muldoon. Sir? I want immediate propulsion once they drop that beam. Then I need to charge the coils now. Can't do it. Even Bragg will spot that trick, said Kuczynski. You're looking at a minimum of one hour for breakaway crunch. There is a possibility. I like possibilities, Mr. Muldoon. Coil up charging cannot be easily attained. You divert through the peri field. It'd be like running a water hose through the lining of a terrestrial dome and back into the pipes. You lose pressure. You can't reactivate that pressure in the coils without sufficient buildup. They will reactivate the tug drags if they see we're ready to break away, said Webb. My gamble is they won't have time, especially if it appears that Bragg and his band of merry men are taking over. He's so full of himself. Crunch, we've encountered Rafik before. He's cold and calculating. Kuczynski turned to the monitor. We don't have many choices. Mr. Morris, assume security command. The short-haired, youthful Morris appeared on the screen. Yes, sir. Deactivate drag charges for all Sky Pilot ships. When Bragg steps into those bays, arrest him and the rest of the crew of that SAV. Yes, sir. Morris rushed across the bays to the men up front. Frank, the key to this is breaking away as soon as possible. The bearded Muldoon leaned closer to the screen. I can't snap the build-up. Rafak isn't stupid. He can figure it out and reactivate the beam. And they have the ability to compensate for planet rotation. Once we snap away, we'll have to switch to a higher speed, and that is taxing the coils. Then we are just going to count on that one course not taught at the Institute, Frank. What's that? Dumb luck. Chapter 25 the air stabilized and the massive bay doors rumbled across the lower tracks. Inside, the bright white hull of ESS-27 SAV slid into the sky pilot bays. Kaczynski thought he spotted Bragg inside the window span. Coil status, Mr. Muldoon. Status is upcharging. 
break away with or without my order at the earliest possible moment. Understood, answered Muldoon from his propulsion console. Kuczynski climbed down the catwalk ladder and walked slowly toward the opening hatch. He at first saw two armed, white-haired Antarians in the shadows, and then Jack Bragg, wearing a bright red day suit. Bragg's expansive waistline was evident as he strolled into the lower hatchway. His smile threatened to overtake his wide face. Crotch, crotch, crotch. Jack, Jack, Jack. Pity you people weren't more on the ball, he said as he looked around the bay. Let me first warn you that Rafik and his people are watching your every move. You get aggressive with me or the SAV and they won't be happy. My heart goes out to them. Bragg adjusted his day suit at the waist. Now, my first order of business, and I see you are a little slack here, I want 50 ship's personnel into the SAV for revacking on the planet's surface. Really? Yes, really. We have the power crutch, the control. We have the Aurea. Kuczynski smiled. That you do, Jack, that you do. After you sold out testy, testy, he said, gesturing with his finger. Get to it. Kuczynski produced a surly look as he approached Bragg. Four Antarian surnines in silver uniforms rumbled down the ramp. Kuczynski smiled. Jack, I only hope I'm the one who personally leads you into a waste sector dump cell. I hold the cards here, Crutch, he said, turning. Mr. Lindsay, will you please re-enter your sky pilot bays? From the inner darkness, Lindy appeared in a gray uniform and cap. He carried a lead projectile rifle, and his round face lacked emotion. Kuczynski tightened his brow. Lindy. Inevitable it is. The director rules. Revac and implement. Lindy, it's me, Crutch. This is your ship. Comply, you must, to the greater cause and mission. Bragg gloated, but Kaczynski stormed forward. The Antarians quickly thrust up their weapons. It's all over for you, Bragg. Hardly. We have your ship. Muldoon, status. Muldoon's voice echoed over the bays. Two minutes? What does he mean, two minutes? asked Bragg, checking the rifles. It means, big man, you better get up to the locusts. You can personally chart your course to the waste sector. I don't think you understand, he said, facing one of the Antarians. Corbus, frequency open to Scavia Tangle. Reactivate the beams. Blue Drakfire knocked down the Antarians. When Lindy turned, Kaczynski stunned him with a handheld Drak, and he fell to the bay floor. More men entered the SAV, but the Drakfire stopped. Bragg shook his head as he sat up. We have a check-in. Without check-ins, the beams will surround this vessel. He stood and marched up to Kaczynski and growled. So your little stunt is over, Crutch, and you will all be revacked. Mr. Muldoon. Sir. Full breakaway power. Full breakaway power, sir. Bragg's face looked revacked. <laughs> that is quite impossible. Kuczynski smiled. Can't go very far with your Aurier if, if you're a prisoner aboard my vessel, Jack. Can't go very far with your Aurier if you're a prisoner aboard my vessel, Jack. 
Kaczynski check cell 16 status for the third time and then scanned the stars on the forward screen. The distance from Scabia Tango widened with the ascending red numbers in the lower corner. Gilly, assessment. Gilly leaned over his monitors and then descended from the upper level. He swallowed once. Command vessels are too far away. ESS-19 is heading back to Baroma. We're on our own. Uh, no doubt about that. You're going to have to attack ESS-27 and take out Saul and Rafik. He glanced at the forward screen and then faced Kaczynski. And destroy this revacking thing. The Pegasus Marischelli project became dangerous. Kuczynski nodded. Lindy awoke in the Metafact, but he's still under this revac thing. What about their tug drag beams? Gilly lit his lower lip. Damned if I know. We don't want to get caught up in that again, Crutch. Well, the hell with them, then. We're going to do whatever we have to do, whatever means necessary to destroy that planet if we have to. John and his father are still on that planet, Crutch. Yeah, well, there are billions of people on Sigma Ataris. Think this through. I have. Rip looked up from his alcove as Kaczynski tightened his brow. We have to stop Saul and the Antarian now. We can't give them any leeway. No chances for them. He hit the compact on his console. Mr. Muldoon. Muldoon. Frank, prepare planetary dearths. What? You heard me. Prepare planetary dearths for immediate use on Scabia Tangle. Muldoon's eyes were moist on the screen and his voice was gruff. Crunch, you can't just strip that planet. You'll kill John and his father. I'm aware of that. He's aware of that. Locate the main revacking facility. Saul and the Antarian and target ESS-27. An ESS vessel cannot be dearth. Prepare 27 for direct drag barrage. Kaczynski inhaled and pressed his lips before he spoke. Mr. Muldoon... You will ready planetary dearths. I protest this action. Fine. Now ready the dearths. Crutch. You're about to go on report, Frank. Then put me on report. The emotion surged from Kaczynski's voice. I won't give that damned Antarian a centimeter of ground, and I won't risk Sigma Antares and the rest of the damn sector. I'll send Rip down to propulsion right now if you won't do it. Rip, report to propulsion. Mr. Muldoon, you are relieved. Rip exited through the locust doors and Kaczynski banged the compact switch. Polonis, security to propulsion. Monitor Muldoon. He will be confined if he attempts to disrupt the dearth operation for Scabia Tangle. Gilly's brow tightened and his eyes opened wide. Kaczynski checked the planetary scans. ESS-27 was still in orbit and the coils were quiet. Rafak will... Monitor what you're doing with the dearth, said Gilly. Then we're back at war, aren't we, Gilly? And we're going to have to take the high ground. Chapter 26 Rip slid from under the indented propulsion panel. He rolled his brown eyes. This whole thing needs an overhaul, according to Muldoon. Nothing critical. Kaczynski nodded but stared at the Aqua Planet's depiction on the square, white-framed monitor. Are you listening, Crutch? Yeah, I'm listening. Dearth status. He grasped Rip's hand and pulled him up. Rip leaned to the monitors. 100%. Good. Time to earliest implementation. 
Four hours, 16 minutes. Listen, crutch, there has to be another way. Rip, if I had the luxury of time and strategic planning, I might think of something else. Let me ask you this, what would John do? Exactly what you're doing. I rest my case. This revac thing threatens what's left of Galactic Command. Look what happened to Lindy. Fife has had him in the Metafac for six hours, and he tells me we're looking at a biological change, not just some hypnotic effect. It's not a damn thing he can do for Lindy. Saul has to be stopped. Lindy's vacant face stunned Kaczynski. ESS 14 second in command was propped up on one of the beds. He had tried reasoning with Lindy even after Pfeiffer attempted to alter his thoughts with direct stimulation. Pfeiffer held the readout board in his hand. Now you see the severity of this crutch. Frank Muldoon is in a containment cell. You're damn right I see the severity of all of this. How the hell did Command let that half-human get away from this project anyway? Command is responsible. They should have secured that planet. Nobody's responsible. O'Hara got away and Silkowski fell the responsibility. He looked to his left. Lindy's all done. You can't reconstruct his brain. No, I can't. Kaczynski's compact sounded. Kaczynski. Rip, we have problems, Crutch. What happened now? ESS 27's coils are ready for breakaway. All tracks are charging. Communications are shielded. They're coming after us, Crutch. Lindy's wide, placid face was a stark reminder of the future Kaczynski never wanted to see. Full alert, Mr. Ripka. Full alert. Prepare for battle. Kaczynski had not only succeeded in hitting ESS-27 with a series of well-timed barrages, but by chance the coil connectors in the port Sky Pilot Bay was drac grazed and leaking into space. The Antarian, speaking without a translator, was on frequency several times, threatening and attempting to intimidate. I would personally beat that Antarian slime into a bloody pulp, said Muldoon on the Locust. Well, get in line, Frank. He regretted having relieved Muldoon. Recommendation, Frank. Finish off the Antarian bastard. Agreed. Bring us around. Yes, sir. Muldoon's intense nod alerted Kaczynski of the pending fight. We have 35% drac output. ESS-27's light image sharpened, and Kaczynski stepped toward the forward screen. That makes no sense. We hit the coils. As he spoke, a blue drac barrage spread outward like pebbles rippling in a clear pond. Colonus's voice shook the locust. Evasive action! Evasive action! The ship automatically veered starboard, but the drac ripples followed the course change. Dracs can't do that, damn it! That barrage is following us and not losing intensity, shouted Gilly. Fire at it, yelled Kaczynski. Fire! Muldoon unleashed five direct drac beams toward the closing barrage. Kaczynski gripped the forward rail as Muldoon's beams neared the massive energy. How do we fight a navigating drac barrage? 28 seconds till impact, said Gilly. Polonis automatically brought the ship 85 degrees port, and when the drac barrage trailed the Explorer spaceship, Polonis looped the ship under the energy. Muldoon shouted from his alcove when the energy descended toward the ship. The whole damn thing is locked on us! Ten seconds, said Gilly. Kaczynski rushed back and secured himself in the command chair. 
The entire screen pulsed in swirling blue shades as the Dirac barrage neared the ship. The impact was preceded by displacement waves, shaking the locusts into a thunderous shock and dimmed the lights. Only the blue battle lights remained. Kuczynski was unsure how the Antarian had accomplished moving such a massive energy surge so adeptly. Power went out at the three-second mark and covered his ears. The boom hit him like a pit bar sucker punch. He wasn't sure how long he was out until he heard Rip's voice on the speaker in the darkness. Navigation is inoperative. Only two auxiliary lights popped on. Kuczynski was less unnerved by a battle defeat than by the certain implications of unbridled revac technology. With power at minimum now, a dearth attack on Scavia Tangle would not take place. Although he didn't blame himself for the ship being knocked out, he questioned whether he could ever head directly for Scavia Tangle. He released the perifield around his chair and stepped up to the alcove. The red and blue screens provided more light than the two upper auxiliary bulbs. His ship's full DRAC reading shocked him. Mr. Morris, target ESS-27. ESS-27 moved away from Scavia Tangle's aqua curvature. Fire now! He thinks we're done! The beam moved fast and slammed ESS-27's locus, and Kaczynski raised his fist. All right! I don't believe it! You just disabled his perifield! Kaczynski stepped away from his alcove. Does he have maneuvering? No, but we do, said Rip from Propulsion. Rip, you're a genius. Muldoon is a genius. He rerouted the power surge. Course, directly for Scavia Tangle. 100%, said Muldoon as the lights fully brightened. I suppose you're responsible for the power return too, Frank. Yes, sir. Guess it was a good idea to get you out of confinement. Kaczynski grinned, but his brow soon creased as they veered toward Scavia Tangle. Gilly, status ESS-27. You're talking four hours for them to get underway. You're lucky to have hit them where you did, Crutch. Frank, resume duties and propulsion. Yes, sir. After Muldoon exited through the locust doors, Gilly moved down to the command alcove. He may have saved the ship. Oh, he did save the ship. I just wanted to get him out of here before he took credit for the drac on 27's locus. Well, that was luck. Kuczynski smiled, but the smile dropped quickly. Once they put the dearth in place, all life on Scavia Tangle would die as the subatomic components of matter were tugged and eventually ripped apart. For a few seconds, he contemplated returning to finish off ESS-27, but he couldn't take the chance. Somehow, he needed to find another way. Commander John B. Ross, Compact 620-1876, a.m., 3rd July, 2154 Galactic Time. Personal recording. I sit on a rock ledge overlooking numerous snow-covered hills. The air is cold and the smell of odd breakfast concoctions rises with the smoky air. Sokoski tells me we're less than 10 kilometers from Saul City. My greatest fear is that Saul and Rafik may have already departed Scavia Tingle. Scans on the low-powered monitor show a confrontation between ESS-27 and ESS-14. 
I only hope my ship won that battle and is prepared to take all necessary action to stop the Antarian in his revacking capacity. He could conceivably take Conchu and gather more vessels in his fleet. If this situation were not so real, it would be ludicrous. A further note is the change in my father. I've observed him talking quite extensively with the members of the Elias sect and noticed his demeanor, for lack of a better term, to have mellowed. Sokoski has just shouted that it's time for us to advance to Saul City. He is in constant pain with his leg, yet his voice booms out clear and commanding. Ross, in the foothills outside Saul City. Sure, there's a lot of action in Reunion. One might ask, is that all there is? The project that created Saul, a command intelligentsia project, is another example of not realizing the implications of raw scientific advancement. In our own time period, we see examples of trying to genetically improve the human race all the time. Good luck. I'm Robert P. Fitton, awaiting Saul, taking the nearby ports at Conchu, but I do think there will be a confrontation here. Until next time, root for the good guys. All of my books are available in paperback, Kindle, and audio at www.fittenbooks.com or you can look at the list of audiobooks separately at pizzazz-pizzazz.com.